so cool, like how musicians get to change instruments and everything. You always kind of know where the song's going to go. Like if he's going to pick up his electric. Sometimes he even has multiple electrics or the acoustic, you know, the acoustic. Oh, it's going to be a nice, mellow, you know, kumbaya song or, you know, the, the electric guitar. I think I'm going to get like some different Bibles instead of. If you are like, oh, no, he's going for the hardcover King James. Everybody duck, you know. Or something. That'd be really, really cool. Well, maybe just to me. But uh, yeah, this Sunday in particular is, uh, is kind of an interesting uh, Sunday for me personally. Uh, those of you who know me, I, I always say that baptism Sundays are the, that's the best Sunday ever. And to me, uh, this Sunday is probably the most difficult Sunday ever uh, because it's the Sunday after Easter and it's the Sunday before uh, our big anniversary, and it's kind of like this this middle Sunday, and uh, a, a lot of times we use this Sunday as kind of to like be reflective, and if you know me, I'm not really the most reflective guy in the world. Like, I'm the kind of guy that just, you know, wakes up and is like, well, what's for breakfast? And then I'll go and eat breakfast, and I'm like, okay, what's next? You know, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't think back and like, and go, hmm, that was interesting, you know, or if somebody says something to me, if you say something to me, not only do I probably won't reflect and wonder what you meant about it, I probably won't even remember. It's just, it's just not in my, my makeup. I, I like to live in the, in the future. Uh, it, it's really nice there. I, I can't wait till you get there. Uh, and, 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 yeah. and so that's next week. Uh, but so this week, uh, just kind of like hanging out and, and trying to think, okay, you know, I got to force myself into this, into this world where it's remembering why we, why we did things. Why did God call uh, my family and I and several others out of Los Angeles? Why did God call several people from the Tallahassee area to want to start a church like this? And, and I was just reading scripture and just asking God, God, open up my heart and just really speak to me. And I was reading stuff in Genesis, and, and I even went into Numbers, and I, was, I found myself in Ruth, and I, Ruth is about uh, Arxaxerxes, uh, the, the son of Xerxes from the, uh, Esther, the study in Esther that we did, and I was sitting there, and I was reading, and I'm like, oh, this is so great, this is so interesting, and I was thinking, wait a second, God really hasn't called us just to be interested. He, God wants us to really speak to our hearts. So I, I, I left Ruth, and I was uh, looking in the New Testament. I was going around, and then I decided, I'm just going to read uh, Isaiah. And I was just like, God, please speak to me. And, uh, you know, there's so much just like wonderful stuff, but I got to Isaiah chapter 55. And I got to tell you, I, I went from kind of dreading today to being so excited about today. It just, it, it was one of those rare times where scripture just, the whole thing just jumped off the page and just, just really penetrated my heart and just made me want to, just couldn't wait to come and share with you today about, about it. And, and I wanted to, uh, do something that we rare, rarely do, uh, read the, all the scripture uh, at the front 
of, of, the, of the worship gathering in front of what I'm talking about, just so you can grab the weight of it in all the context. And then we're going to go back and I'm going to just uh, share with you guys why it just sparked something inside me and made me so excited about where we've been and where we are and next week as we look at where we are going. So I'm going to ask you actually uh, not to open up your Bibles or to follow along in your fridge fold or uh, and no PowerPoint on the screen. I just really want you just to, to uh, listen and uh, to listen to the words and hopefully uh, it'll just kind of stir something inside you. So Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. <clears throat> Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen, and I will tell you where to get food that is good for the soul. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, for the life of your soul is at stake. I am ready to make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the mercies and unfailing love that I promised to David. He displayed my power by being my witness and a leader among the nations. You also will command the nations, and they will come running to obey because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the people turn from their wicked deeds. Let them banish from their minds the very thoughts of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will absolutely abundantly pardon. My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, and so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. In the, it is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It always accomplishes all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where briars grew, myrtles will sprout up. This miracle will bring great honor to the Lord's name. It will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. You guys pray with me. Dear God, I just pray that your words will just resonate deep inside our hearts. That you will stir in us a passion to live this out. God, I just pray as we talk about the reason for your church and specifically this local expression, us being your followers, come together to glorify your name, that we will be able to rise up and live out the life that you've envisioned for us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. 
In this passage, there's several different key words. One is come, one is listen, one is seek, one is elevate, one is grow, and the last one is send and be sent. And as I pondered and meditated on those words, it really is a picture of who God has designed us to be. In three times the, in the scripture, the word come is used. Talking about if anyone is thirsty to come and drink, even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine and milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Three years, 51 weeks ago, when we opened the doors of this place, we did have this dream, a dream where people could come. A place where people who were thirsty and hungry for a real relationship, a relationship with their Creator in heaven, could come. A place that did not have standards or a place where people had to look a certain way to be able to come in here, a place where people didn't have to have their stuff together to come, but it could be a place where people who were dehydrated spiritually could come and walk in and be able to drink and drink and drink and become healthy again. It's puzzling to me how often we get away, not just our church, but just us who are followers of Christ, we, we forget that we are ambassadors of Christ. We forget that lost people matter to God. We forget that God pursued us. He pursued us because he loves us and he wanted to have a relationship with us and he wanted us to live out the life that he has envisioned for us. And so often we, when we come together, we forget these things and we forget to have a place where the doors are wide open, a place where people can come. And as I read this scripture and I just thought about the countless people who've come in who are thirsty and not only did they get some coffee, which probably didn't help their thirst at all, but at least it amped them up a little bit, uh, that, that they could come here and, and they knew that this was not going to be a place of condemnation, but a place of love and encouragement and to hold that up and say, you know what? No matter what, this is going to be a place where people can come and seek out who God is and what he wants for their life. Also, as I continued in reading this, and I saw this word, listen. Listen, and I'll tell you where to get food that is good for the soul. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen for the life of your soul as at stake. And we have this dream when we opened the doors of this place, this was going to be a place where people could listen and not just hear. You see, we hear things all the time. When I was in Guatemala, uh, one thing that the uh, churches like to do, and it was the week before Holy Week, so they were all ramping up for Holy Week, and they were trying to uh, encourage people to come to their churches for Holy Week. So, Somebody had this great idea, uh, and it's a different culture, but it just uh, 
it's just a little different than how we would do things, hopefully. Uh, they, they would set up these trucks or, or vans and they would have these mammoth like speakers, like all four directions sticking out, these big bullhorn things. And, and the pastor would just stand in the back of the truck and just be just bringing hellfire and, and brimstone, you know, to everybody who was in earshot. And you didn't have to be close to be in earshot. And it was all distorted and, and in Spanish. And, uh, I, but I knew, I, I, I've heard the message before. And I, and I could hear it. I could hear it clearly, and I talked to some people who, who knew the language, and they were kind of filling me in on, on some of the different things that were being spoken. And I, I was thinking, you know what? You know, no one's ever been argued into heaven. No one's ever been yelled at so much that they were yelled at into heaven. That there needs to be a common heart language that people can actually hear the love of God. Right now, uh, several couple months ago, I, I decided that I wanted to take uh, uh, my Hebrew studies off of just uh, the page and actually learn to conversationally speak the language. And uh, I got the Rosetta Stone uh, uh, program. It's actually pretty good. And uh, But I I can proudly say after lots of hours that I can actually identify when somebody is speaking Hebrew. I have no idea what they're saying, but, but I, I'm pretty sure I can, I can identify when somebody is speaking Hebrew. And one thing that uh, as I've been learning uh, this, this new language is that there's a huge difference in, between hearing and listening because you can hear and not understand. And you can't understand without listening. And to the, our very core, when we wanted to, we felt that God wanted us to open up this church, we, we felt that we needed to talk about eternal concepts in, in, in ways that were meaningful and connected. Just like Jesus used to do when he walked the earth, that he would go and talk to shepherds about sheep and women at the well about about water and not get hung up on specific terms or words but to really focus on the main thing and the main thing is that people matter to God a place where people could come regardless of their background or their social or economic status a place where people could come and not be yelled at not be preached at but seen as people, individuals that God cares about and to have a conversation with and to speak in people's heart language. Also, a place, the next uh, word that really popped out to me in verse 6 was, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the people turn from their wicked deeds. Let them banish from their minds the very thoughts of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You know, for some reason, a lot of times, when we think about pursuing God and pursuing a relationship with him, we, we don't really think about 
us turning to him so he can have mercy on us. We don't really think about looking for the abundance of his pardon and his generosity. For some reason that that gets lost and we, we get pulled back into this idea that, it, that it's about works or good deeds or checking something off a list. And I can imagine because of so many, when we fall into that religious pursuit of God and this checklist thing that there's no joy in it, and soon we find ourselves empty and we fill ourselves with a life of ritual. And when it comes to that, we fall away. But God has called us to have a place that's different than that. Not a place of rules and regulations and, and, and checklists, but a place where people can come out and seek the face of God. Seek Him out in His will for their life. To hear and listen about the vision that He has for their life. Not a place of rules or a religious place, but a place where we are constantly focused back on having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people. I was continued reading, and, and uh, uh, it, when I got to verse 8, it says, My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Right now I'm reading this uh, book. It, that passage reminded me of this book I'm reading. It's called Predictably Irrational. And it's like a book to help me like in counseling with you guys. Sorry, I thought that was funny, but guess not. <laughs> Scratch that one for the seven. Uh, but... The truth is that, uh, you know, I know that Christians hate the word uh, uh, relativity or, or uh, things are relative and everything. But in, in, in some cases, uh, uh, that's very true. And even in biblical cases, that's true. You see, if we're going through life and, and we don't have anything to measure where we are, we, we, we feel lost. We're not motivated. There's... Uh, story in this book where uh, he was talking about a friend who he did research with and this guy uh, had had started a dating service and he had made a lot of money and uh, he had actually bought a Porsche Boxer and then one day he, he had the misfortune of befriending the founder of PayPal and uh, and being with him and seeing the money that he made, he became very quickly dissatisfied with his Porsche Boxer. And soon he was thinking, all right, I need to make more money. And, uh, he, and in an interview, he said, you know what people who have Porsche Boxers want? They want uh, 911s. Porsche 911s. And then he said, you know what people who have Porsche 911s want? They want Ferraris. And you know what people with Ferraris want? They want planes. And he decided as he was going along that he needed to get off of this, of this path that he was on. And so this guy decided to sell his Porsches and he actually bought a, a Prius instead. 
And uh, he just said, you know, it doesn't matter how much I make or what really more so, it doesn't matter how much somebody else makes and what kind of things that they have, that, that I am going to invest in the things that, that fulfill me. And I'm not going to live this life of always being discontent. Now, that's the negative side of this. Like we could be drawn down this path of the Joneses have this and I want to get this. But the, the positive aspect of it is also we are motivated and elevated by people around us. And there's this annoying little graphic on page seven here that, that kind of shows that our, how we look at things is completely relative. Now, as you look at these two dots, they look like they're different sizes, but in actuality, the two black dots are exactly the same size. And I looked at this in the book and looked and looked, and, and I got to tell you, I didn't believe it. I just thought, not a chance. Uh, so I actually got on uh, my uh, art graphics kind of program. I'm a great artist, you can tell. I use it all the time. And I created this. I copied it, actually, plagiarism. But uh, because I wanted to make sure that the, the stupid little black dots were the same size. Now, uh, they are, believe it or not, and I actually made the opposite where I kept the black dots the same and I just changed the little gray dots over. And it's just like, it's so irritating that it looks like like I did this, and I know it's true that those are the same black dots, but, but yeah, okay. Is there a psychologist in the house? Sorry, but this is the point here. Imagine your thoughts and your actions and your soul. Think about you as a person. We just finished a series where we are talking about the whole person, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. Uh, uh, we were talking about physical, all these kind of things. And if you surround yourself with the, 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 the standard of the small dots on the left there, you're going to feel big and you're not going to feel and get pushed to grow. But if you put yourself around God-sized thoughts and God-sized standards, and you put yourself around people who are going to encourage you to, to push yourself, and to grow, your, your path in life is going to be a whole lot different. And I really felt that as I, as I looked at that and as I read that book and, and, and was reading this scripture, a place to elevate, the only way that we can have a place to elevate is if we hold up the standards of God, the vision that God has for each and every one of our lives. And, and you know what? We don't always hit it. We don't, not any of us. But when we don't hit it, to have people around us who help us back up and encourage us to try and try again. And to have a place that has that kind of understanding that we are going to encourage and push and move along people to achieve everything that God has designed them to be. And also a place where people can grow. In verse 10, it says, The rain and the snow came down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They caused the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. 
You see, the farmer needs rain and water and soil and dirt and, and manure and, and nutrients for a seed to grow. I watch the History Channel a lot, and they like to go to the pyramids of Giza, and, and uh, in the tombs they pull out all sorts of things that the pharaohs would bring with them to bring into the afterlife. And one thing that they often have in their, in their tombs are seeds. And these seeds are thousands of years old. Because, and they've never done anything except stayed seeds. Why is that? Because where there is no water, where there is no dirt, where there is no manure, there is no light. There is no life. And so many of us, we try to go through a life that, that resists or restricts adversity. That we don't want the storms of life to come in. We don't want the dirt of life to touch us. We don't want, definitely don't want the manure on us. And if we're really, really successful at keeping all of life's hardships away, our reward is we get to stay a seed. But God did not create you to be a seed. God created some of you to be fruit plants, some of you vegetables, some of you pine trees, some of you oak trees but not a seed. But in order for you to burst and break out of that shell and to grow into what God has envisioned for your life, unfortunately, it takes storms, it takes water, it takes dirt, and it takes manure. And then finally, a place to send and be sent. In verse 11, it says, in the sa- It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. When we started this place, it was never meant to be a warehouse. It was never meant to be a depot for seeds. It was meant to be a place where these seeds could come in. It was meant to be more like a nursery where, there, where we didn't try to protect everyone from every storm that came through life, but we would say, you know, a storm is coming. Thank God for the water because a land without water and without rain is arid and nothing lives. To have those storms of life come through and let it forge us and grow us. To have that dirt be poured and let us grow out of these things, sometimes very ugly things. But things we can grow out of and be strong. The church was not meant to be a depot, but it was meant to be a clearinghouse where once these seeds have burst through the dirt and the manure and reach up toward the sun, 
that we will spread out. And it's interesting in the in the scripture, the previous scripture, it says it causes the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer. Producing seed for the farmer. And important and bread for the hungry. You see, being a follower of Christ, getting to this point is not the finish line. This is the starting point. This is the point where, yes, we want to produce more grain, but not just for building grain purposes, not just to have more seed, but to grow up and to spread not only through Tallahassee, but throughout the world. And if we do this and we do it well, I just love what God says will happen. It says you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where briars grew, myrtles will sprout up. This miracle will bring great honor to the Lord's name. It will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. What God is telling us is if we are diligent, if we keep the main thing, the main thing, that that people matter to God, and we say, you know what, this is never going to become a country club. This is never going to be what we want it. But this is always going to be a place where people can come however they are. And they're going to be accepted and loved and they are going to be encouraged and we are going to be intentional in the way that we speak to one another. We're not going to yell at anybody. We're not going to argue with them. But we're going to speak and so they can listen. That we're going to be a place where people can go on a path and truly seek out who God has created them to be. A place that elevates the Word of God and says, you know what, here's what God's vision is for your life. And we know you're going to miss it from time to time. But we're going to encourage you to get back in the race and try again. Because we truly believe that God's vision is the best vision for each and every one of our lives. That we're going to grow, that we're not going to try to protect and try to pretend that the world isn't hard and the world isn't un- that the world is not unfair. You know what? The world is unfair. The bad things happen to good people. There's pain and there's hurt. And sometimes, from our point of view, there doesn't seem to be much reason for it. But we do know this. Through the storms and the dirt and manure of life, those are the components that make us grow. And then finally... being this clearinghouse and taking it outside of our walls so that the mountains will burst into songs and the trees will clap their hands and where there was once only thorns, trees will grow. And next week we get to talk to a couple of people whose lives before they were able to come here before people put aside their personal preferences, before people decided that, you know what, I'm going to be generous with my time and my resources. When we do that, we are able to see lives that were once barren be able to produce fruit and to experience life. And we hear these 
stories, or I hear these stories time and time again. I think, you know what? What we are doing here is the most important thing that we can possibly do on earth. Because the world in itself does not produce joy that makes mountains burst in a song. The world does not produce joy that makes trees clap their hands. Only the Lord Jesus Christ does. But there's so much noise and so much baggage out there that it's absolutely essential that each and every one of us say, you know what? Wherever you are on your path, say, you know what? What I am doing here is of vital importance, not only for myself, not only for my family, not only for my friends, but for everyone around me. And not only everyone around me, but those out in the community who, when somebody says Jesus, all they hear is a bullhorn in a foreign language telling them to go to H-E double hockey sticks. It's okay to laugh. (laughs) I often say you either laugh or you cry. You get to choose. Guys, three years, 51 weeks ago, several of us were praying and said, we are going to give our life to this thing. We're going to give the first of our resources, time and money and our energy and our mind time. So people that we don't even know can come here and we can show them love the love that Jesus Christ and somebody else along the lines showed us. And I cannot think of a more important mission than to be the ambassadors of Christ's love. Let's pray. Dear God, I just uh, thank you for this place. I look forward to uh, next week when we celebrate four years of what you've been doing in people's lives. God, I think about all the different things and it just brings me to tears. I just thank you so much for encouraging and, and bringing together a group of people who love people more than they love their own personal preference, who love people more than they love their own comfort, to love people more than they love their own money, to love people more than they love their time. God, we will never be so presumptuous to think that we love people as much as you do. But God, we pray that you will give us that passion. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing these words that come out of Isaiah 55 together.